0: Hello there, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of Circling the Bases, proudly a part of NBC Sports Edge. I am your host, Colin Henderson. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Christopher Crawford. Chris, it has been like three, four weeks since we have done a show together because you did the show two weeks ago by yourself. And I think this is the longest break we've had since like... I, I didn't get a chance to, uh, to look at your beautiful face over the last few weeks, and it's been, it's been lacking. I'm, I'm recapturing that magic right now.
1: Well, it is good to see your face as well, sir. My face is uh, might be a little perplexed. Before we get into our, because we have a really busy show, a Wander Franco rookie card just sold for $2,000, and it is the base card. It is, like, literally just <laughs> the normal card. And it was great at PSA 10 and all of that stuff. But, man, $2,000 for a base Wander Franco card and that news was nice because after hearing there was very little uh, movement in the CBA and the CBT stuff it was nice to concentrate on something else and it'll be even better to stare at your face and realize we don't have to talk about any, we don't talk about Bruno and we don't talk about the CBA or CBT on this podcast. Yes,
0: yeah, so this is going to be a no CBA flies zone <laughs> This is none of yeah, this today, all right? We are staying positive <laughs> times only, hashtag it. And we are focusing today on the first base position. We are going to deep dive into the first base position, give our top 25 ranks, talk some sleepers, talk some busts, really just kind of a little some draft strategy, really just dive deep into the position. If you did not get a chance to listen to DJ and Drew, they started off our positional preview rankings last week with a catcher, with a catcher episode, which was an excellent episode. I highly recommend mm-hmm. you go back and listen. For sure. And what we are going to be doing here on the pod, starting this week, as you, as you see this now, we will be moving back to two episodes a week. Chris and I will be hitting you up on Tuesday mornings. DJ and Drew will get you on Friday mornings. DJ and Drew did their catcher position last Friday. They will do second base this upcoming Friday. We will be here next week for shortstops. Look at all of this actually fun baseball talk <laughs> rather than, uh, you know, millionaires versus billionaires and somehow all of us sitting at home going like, can we just watch the game?
1: But <laughs> that sounds got, good to me, man.
0: I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for this. So we are positive vibes only as we rock through our, uh, our first baseman. So Let's just talk about the – let's zoom out before we get into our rankings. Let's just talk about the first base position as a whole. So I think obviously it's a very deep position, maybe not as deep as in years past. I do think as I was going through my rankings, I felt myself tiering kind of as I was going. And sure. there was a little less in that like top two tiers than I maybe I was giving myself as I was thinking about them as I was entering these rankings. Mm-mm. But – one thing that is abundant throughout this position, whether you're looking at the spoiler, Vladdy Jr. going number one, or you're talking about, you know, guys way deep down this list is that power is a premium here at this position. If there are a couple guys out there, if you want to go the non-power routes, but for the most part, first base is a power position. And that's where you're going to look to get a bunch of your home runs and RBIs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a position that. You know it's a position that sometimes gets ignored if you can 't get one of those top mm-hmm. guys, but I think that can kind of be a mistake sometimes because there are some real guys that can really help you in those two categories the homer and the r b i thing uh one thing just to to clarify for you if we don't if you don't hear us bring up mm-hmm. a name like Chris Bryant or JT Realmuto. We're going with a they had to play 20 games at the position last year. So a guy like Chris Bryant who would qualify most years or JT Realmuto who will probably qualify at some point because of off days to get first base and stuff like that or uh, along those lines are not going to be mentioned on this list. But you're right. This is a it's a top-heavy list. I think the top 2 are as obvious as any <laughs> yeah. two can be obvious on these lists outside of maybe shortstop or third base. But it is a, uh, a real um, heavy powered position. But if you don't get those first two guys, there are some guys who I think are going to be able to help you in, in 12 team leagues and some guys that are candidates to be corner infield uh, players. If you're playing with that spot as well, it is not the best position, but it's certainly a position that I think is a little bit on the rise.
0: Well, what I like about the position overall is that I think once you get past the first like six or seven names or so, then we get some really intriguing young options. A lot of sure. guys who just kind of hit on the scene over the last two years or so, a lot of them right. made their debuts in the short in 2020 seasons, got the first full taste of a full season last year and might be primed for more moving forward. So I think there's sure. a lot of intrigue. I'm very curious. He and I, Chris and I have. For, for the sake of the show, have not looked at each other's rankings beforehand. So we're going to be learning them together. So I'm curious to see where you have some of these guys ranked because I think, like I said, really, once you got past like the first two tiers and then you just kind of get into a mix and you're like, wow, I could genuinely go a bunch of different directions with how you want to do it. And best part is because of where they are going in drafts, oftentimes you will already have an idea of what categories that you're looking for when you get to these guys, if you did miss out on the top view.
1: That's a great point. Not something I even thought of, but that's why Colin hosts this show because he, <laughs> he thinks of things that I just don't. So, so should I get into my top 12 now, sir? Yes. Let's get, let's I'm, give it to me. You I'm, me a, I'm excited. I'm excited and, and going in order, obviously number one, Vladimir Guerrero jr. Number two, Freddie Freeman, number three, and this is where things get difficult. Paul Goldschmidt, number four, Matt Olson, five, Jose Abreu, six, Pete Alonzo, Seven, C.J. Crone. Eight, Jared Walsh. Nine, D.J. LeMahieu. Ten, Ryan Mountcastle, despite the wall change. Eleven, Reese Hoskins. And twelve, Josh Bell.
0: Okay. We got our... This is where the two tiers kind of come in, because but we have the exact same top six, and that's really that's the six that I'm looking at. A nice. little slightly different order, but that's the okay. six where we're like, okay, that's the first tier, and okay. now we can really have some conversations afterwards. So for me, I'm, I'm with you on the one, two, Vladdy Jr. and Freddie Freeman. I don't care what uniform Freddie Freeman's putting on next year, I will yeah. happily take him <laughs> as my first yeah. baseman. After that, I have Matt Olson as my okay. number three. Yep. Pete Alonso is my number four. With Paul Goldschmidt as my number five and Jose Abreu at six. Okay. Uh, behind that, I have Jared Walsh at seven, Ryan Mountcastle at eight, Reese Hoskins at nine, DJ LeMayhew at 10, Max Muncie at 11, and CJ Crone at
1: 12. Wow. So let's talk about CJ Crone. I mean, this is, I think, something that we got to uh, discuss. All right, let's start there. I like it. Uh, yeah, because that's clearly our biggest difference. The reason I have him in number seven is there's two reasons. The first one is cores, and the second one is field. I mean that that the fact of the matter is, and if you look at what C.J. Crone did in the second half of the season, very few first basemen better. Now, I will say there's a little bit of risk there because. You know, he is a guy who has not been the most consistent player in the world. He's also a player that I would be worried about being moved at the deadline. Like if he's Mm -hmm. mashing and somebody goes and makes him a Kyle Schwarber, not that Kyle Schwarber didn't continue to rank until he got hurt for the Red Sox. But you know what I'm saying? Like that, the change of scenery can be a big deal for these type of guys. No bigger than somebody like CJ Crone. Right. I really like him. And, you know, obviously you don't him because you have him as a first baseman one if you're playing mm-hmm. in a 12 team league and that's kind of what we always assume with this stuff and you have him as a starting first baseman but it sounds like you have a little more apprehension than I do about CJ Crone in 2022
0: look i love me some CJ Crone at Coors Field i'm 100% with you but there are a couple things that are just minor dings on him that make me push back a little bit one is just the team around him while obviously mm-hmm. he's going to be at Coors Field that ball needs to leave the park because I'm not always sure there's going to be people on base for him to drive in. I think that's just gotcha. a factor when we look at the rest of the first base field. I just want to make sure, like, all right, we look at Muncie or we look at LeMayhew, like those rosters around them, Reese Hoskins, those rosters around them are better and should hopefully provide more opportunities to drive in runs and score. Also, with CJ, I think uh, last year, a career high BAPIB of 317. Um, his batting average was 281 last year, also a career high. Now, I, obviously those two correlate to a certain extent. But I'm right. would just want i I'm just curious to see if in year two of Coors Field, does that batting average carry over? Because if C.J. Crone is a 280 hitter, well, I think that easily – now, I can, we could have that conversation of moving him right up towards your seven spot. But right. if he ends up falling back to like a 250 hitter, which is about what he normally is pre-2021 – all right, well now I'm 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 fine with him as my my first base one, but yeah. just a little farther back than a couple other guys who I think can bounce back rather than might regress.
1: Yeah, I I think that totally makes sense. I will point out he did hit 278 in 2016, so it's not completely unheard of. Mm-hmm. He's a much different player now, like he is yeah. like much more like he was doing the the 15 to 20 homer seasons back then. Of course, he was only playing uh half of the time. Mm-hmm. Albert Pujols was getting a lot of the time at first base at that time. But I do think he is capable of hitting for that 265, 270 Mm -hmm. average. And that's my reason why I have him higher than a few other guys. And it's actually, it kind of leads into Paul Goldschmidt with me. So the reason why I have Goldschmidt number three is I am a person who is batting average risk adverse when I possibly can be. And with all due respect to Matt Olson and all due respect to Pete Alonzo, those are guys, because of the way that they play, can hit 190, 200. That is just something that is a possibility or that 210 range, which you're losing a category for. It's funny. Colin and I actually have a uh, for premium subscribers have a column that will be up where we debate Mike Zedito and Omar Narvaez. And I think you can probably tell which one I took based on what I'm talking about here, because, look, it is one fifth of what you're doing is that batting average category. And that is why. For me, I don't think Paul Goldschmidt's hitting 310, 320 anymore. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. But I feel so much more confident of him helping in the average category and being around. He certainly isn't going to hit as many home runs as Matt Olson. Very few players are if Matt Olson Mm -hmm. can stay healthy, especially goodness gracious. If Matt Olson is in New York, will I change my opinion on this? Because that could change an awful lot of things. And I will demand that NBC flies me out to watch those guys take batting practice if that happens. But there is that chance that he hits in that 210, 220 range because of the contact issues. Mm Not that uh, not that Paul Goldschmidt is this guy who has just got this incredible ability with bat to ball skills where he's not going to strike out. But I do think that's why I have him in my three spot is because I'm just a little bit risk adverse with that batting average category.
0: I found it very interesting trying to rank three, four, five, six between yeah. Olsen, Alonzo, Goldschmidt, and Abreu. And I it's really close. Like six, but like, again, I you could tell me one way or the other and I'd be totally fine with it. Those are the six. I want one of those six on my team, ideally, at my first base spot. With Goldschmidt, again, a 295 average last year, uh, OPS of 883. Mm -hmm. I mean, just excellent numbers: thirty-one home runs, hundred RBIs, hundred and two runs, a perfect twelve and zero in stolen bases. Which, by the way, if you're looking down this entire first base list, he might be the only person with even. I mean, I'm not going to call him speedy, but like, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that he is the only person with legs that move at least from a a base (laughs) pass here. So
1: I like um, how you put twelve and zero. That
0: being said, that being said. That was his first time reaching double digit stolen bases since 2017. So right. whether I'm the, I don't know if that's a harbinger of things to come or if not mm-hmm. or just the good circumstances for a couple times this year, but 12 and0 in stolen bases last year. Uh, Goldschmidt when you to your point, even in a bad Goldschmidt year, he's still a 250, 260 hitter. Like that's right. just who he is at this point. If you looked at a bad Matt Olsen year or a bad Pete Alonzo year, you're absolutely right. We might be talking about someone in the 220s, two teens. And yes, that could absolutely... And so if you are risk averse about batting average, then yes, I have no problem with you kind of maybe putting Goldschmidt up to the three and moving down Olson and Alonzo. But for me... I think there's something about Matt Olson and Pete Alonso going into their age 28 years. I mean, last year, 39 home runs and 37 home runs between Olson and Alonso, respectively. 111 right. RBIs, 94 RBIs, 101 runs, 81 runs. Both OPSs over 860. I, I just think you're looking at these two, and I think both of them, even though those numbers are phenomenal, I think both of them still have another gear they can get to. And if that's the case, we might be looking at you know, Matt Olson, Pete Alonso, may be trying to fight and punch up into that top two. Whereas I don't know if Goldschmidt in a great year punches up to the conversation where we might be talking about, like, is Freddie Freeman definitely the second best second best first baseman?
1: Yeah, I will say this. Like it, it was it was very easy me for me to put the one and two. And um, I promised my Twitter followers, all thousand of them and eleven thousand robots that I would not spend six hours going off. About Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but the the easiest one that you could possibly put like it's yeah. it's such a locked in thing. But I think you make a really good point with uh, with Alonzo and with uh, Olson in that. You know, they're entering their primes and Paul Goldschmidt certainly is not entering his prime. So, look, there is much more upside with those guys. I think it's worth pointing out, too, that like Alonzo got off to kind of a shaky start and then Mm -hmm. finished the year 262, 344, 519. Like like that works. And I think he's going to drive in more runs because I think you're going to see guys like Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil, maybe if he's sitting ahead of him. Who knows if Jeff McDoward is actually playing for him. I think that 94 RBI might be light. I can absolutely see him reaching that 120 RBI total that um, that he put up in his rookie season. Just one of the most impressive rookie seasons in terms of power that I've ever yeah. seen. And
0: remember Starling Marte now going to be starting that team. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. if you're
1: talking about a
0: one, two of Marte and Lindor theoretically sure. to start yeah. off that lineup with yeah. Alonzo sitting right behind them. I, I really sure. like the way that that team can really gel up at the top.
1: Yeah, it's just tough. And I will say this, too. It is just RBI is a tough one for me because Mm -hmm. it's a very important fantasy category. But it is something that you can really get burned with predictive. Like it is just it's volatile from year to year. But that's one of the reasons why I think Jose Abreu might be a little underrated. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. This is so many years in a row of him being among the RBI leader. Like he clearly part of it is because he plays in a really good park with some really good hitters sitting in front of him. And the fact that Luis Robert, who I think is going to be the the breakout star of twenty twenty two, spoiler alert, because I don't I think actually we do have the outfield now that I think about it. We the outfield and reliever. So we get the best of the best and the worst of the worst. Sorry yeah. about that for the reliever <laughs> show. But uh, it is I, I think Luis Robert is like a superstar of superstars and is going to really help him in that RBI category. But that's one like with my first baseman, I really like, if I can get help in that average category, again, that's why I have Paul Goldschmidt ranked where I do. It's great. And the stolen base category, I'm really not counting on stolen bases from mm-hmm. Paul Goldschmidt. A handful, great. Five really 50, yeah, yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how much he runs, like, because there is a new manager in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what type of strategy he promotes with uh, that type of stuff. But it's 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 really tough. Like, that one through six, I think, I think that one through six is locked in. Then let's talk about some guys in that well, seven to twelve. Well, before we move oh, on
0: from that, I do want to point out something about Jose Abreu because I could not agree with you more when you talk about RBIs being tough to predict. But you know what? Right, Jose Abreu was the exception to that rule. <laughs> he I, might be I, the exception
1: that proves that rule. To be honest, yeah, with. exactly.
0: Fair point. He has driven in at least a hundred runs in every single season that he's been in the majors, except for one in yeah. 2018 when he drove in 78 and he had and missed 34 games. And missed 34 games in that one. And, oh, but what about that shortened 2020 season, you might say. Well, remember, he won an MVP during that one and (laughs) had 60 RBIs in 60 games. Like, he's breaking the century mark on RBIs with his eyes closed so long as he can stay healthy for the remainder of a theoretical full 2020 season. So, I mean, Abreu is maybe the best outside of the top two, the best lock of the top six to be 100 to 110 RBIs, I, you can almost write that into the book. And yes. that is, I mean, we can write 30 home runs into the book for Alonzo and, and Olsen. We can write 25 home runs into the book for Goldschmidt, but we can almost, we can write in 100 RBIs for Abreu. And that is, I think, an incredibly rare stat. And I'm 100% with you. There's my top tier. There's my top six. Now let's yeah. get into that second spot. And and for me, you said you had seven. You had um, CJ Crone. You had CJ Crone at seven. Who'd you have at eight?
1: I had eight at Jared Walsh and then nine DJ Lee Mayhew and 10 Ryan Mountcastle.
0: Perfect. OK, so I have Walsh at seven. So let's talk about Jared Walsh for a second. Yeah, I, I'm really high on Jared Walsh. I was high on him entering last year in sure. what was going to be his first kind of full season in the majors playing 140 plus games. And he lived up to the hype. 275 batting average, 28 home runs, 95 RBIs, 69 runs. And then, like I said, 143 games. He was so good that they that the Angels felt good enough moving on from Albert Pujols midway through the year and paying him out right. because Jared Walsh earned the first base spot. And, I mean, we're looking into, he's 28 now. He's going to be going into his age 28 season. These are the prime years. He got a full season under his belt with a Angels lineup that theoretically should have. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon, maybe Joe Adel steps up to the plate here on this spot. Like there's there's the semblance of a pretty decent offense there in L.A. And I think Jared Walsh is going to be a main cog of that this year. I would be perfectly content if Jared Walsh was my first baseman.
1: Yeah, my only concern with Jared Walsh is – Is he going to be able to hit left-handed pitching? Because if you look at these splits, 333, 405, 589 versus right-handed pitching, which is elite. That is close to what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did for a full season against right-handed pitching. But if you look at against lefties, 170, Mm -hmm. 208, 357. Now, here's one thing to be a little high on and a little concerned about. Batting average balls in play against right-handers, it was 416. Impossible. Yeah. Absolutely, impossibly unsustainable. But against left-handers, it was 177, which is just as unsustainable. So he should have a little bit of more luck. The problem is, is in order for batting average balls and play luck to matter, you have to put the ball in play a lot more. And he struck out 54 times in 192 play to bear against against left handers. So, Mm -hmm. look, I would like to have if I'm taking Jared Walsh as my first baseman one, I'd really like to have a guy that's like if he's facing off against that Chris Sale lefty Mm -hmm. or somebody like that, that I can get him out of the lineup because there is that chance of him going for four with three strikeouts and that might be playing it nice like there are going to be some games like that and look it's just one game and he can make it more than make up for it against right-handed hit pitching but there are going to be games that he has where he can cost you a week by having that awful game so that is something i think you do have to keep in mind but you also have to keep in mind this too this was really his rookie season like i'm sorry Mm -hmm. 2020 he was awesome in 2020 it was 32 games and 2019 was a very small sample size as well so i think he's going to make adjustments i would not expect him to have a 565 ops against left handers but that is one of the reasons why i couldn't put him in my top five or top six just because of the fact that Mm -hmm. there is a chance that this is a platoon player especially if the angels are good and they really need to have a better middle of the order hitter against left-handed pitching it's just something i think you have to be a little bit wary about with jared walsh
0: No, I think that's totally fair. And I mean, you, anybody who reads off those stats over 144 games, like, yeah, you should, now you have to be like, we have enough of a sample size for us to look at it and go, okay, this is, but at the same time he goes into this off season. You mentioned that basically last year was his rookie year. He goes into the off season now and we see what maybe he figures out a couple things around left-handed pitching, even if he just gets to average against left-handed hitters He becomes a bona fide fantasy star because of how good he can be against righties and how many more righties he'll end up facing. So, I mean, if he can just get to like a 240, 250 average against lefties, we're talking about a really nice player that should be able to help you in multiple categories. Um, But let's talk about who I have right behind him on my list at number eight. I have Ryan Mountcastle, and I kind of liked having the two of them next to each other because uh, both of them – Ryan Mountcastle entering his age 25 season like Jared Walsh, basically last year was his first full season. It was basically his rookie year. He played 144 games. Jared Walsh played 143 Mountcastle, 253, 307, 485, 33 homers, 89 RBIs, 77 runs, an OPS just shy of eight. And But the major issue with him was strikeouts in his in his year last year 161 strikeouts to 41 walks that ain't going to do it over the course if you want to get up to that upper echelon of first baseman that being said he is only 25 years old and there is a lot of room for him to grow i'm just like walsh and just like a couple other people we're going to talk about on this list i'm expecting a step up this year now with a full year under his belt and not a shortened 2020 weird season that that what that season was, right. I'm expecting a, a a real step forward from Ryan Mountcastle. And as you alluded to earlier, yes, they are changing the dimensions of Camden yards, which is absolutely a note because that is a hitters' Haven. And if you're going to make it less of a hitters' Haven, we have to adjust accordingly, but I still think 33 home runs last year from Mountcastle. I think, he can be a guy who can consistently hit 30 home runs a year, even with them moving back, even with them fiddling with the fences out there in Baltimore. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine with Mountcastle inside my top 10.
1: Yeah, I have too. And I think, you know, the wall is something to point out, but I will say this too. Ryan Mountcastle is a, a he hits his home runs to the opposite field just as mm-hmm. often as he does to the pole side. And that's big because of that, that wall. And Hey, I haven't really seen the full dimensions of stuff. Maybe he gets more doubles because he's going to hit more balls mm-hmm. off of the wall, which can help with the batting average. Of course, you'd prefer to see him going over the fence, but maybe it just helps that 255 go up to like 260, 265. And I think that's going to be your peak because this guy's approach to the plate sucks. And I yeah. love you, Ryan Mountcastle. You're a really good player, but your approach is just awful. This is a guy, his chase rate was in the bottom 3%. I'm actually surprised it was that high because watching him he swings at everything and he's yep. uh, the aggressiveness is great because when he makes contact boy oh boy does he make contact i was actually surprised that his hard hit percentage was only in the 41st which yeah
0: he tells I me that, that.
1: Tell, tells me that that's the number may be a little bit off because barrel percentage 79th expected slugging 70th percentile i i think he's going to provide really solid numbers i will just say this if you are playing in a points league I think you got to move Ryan Mountcastle down a few spots because Mm -hmm. he's just not going to draw the walks. I'm barring something where he becomes such a feared hitter that he's going to have. There's going to be no choice but to add something like 20 to 30 walks to his profile. But even adding 20 to 30 walks to his profile, you're still talking about a guy who's getting on base at like the 310, 320 mark. That's Mm -hmm. just not ideal for your first baseman. But ball jumps off to its bat. He uses the whole field. I think he's going to help in the Homer category. I think he's going to help a little bit more in the RBI category. I think Baltimore's lineup is going to be a little bit better. Some of this is going to depend on where he's hitting too. Mm -hmm. Hopefully Adley Rutschman is hitting ahead of him when Adley Rutschman does get that call because I think he's going to be an on-base machine. Um, I think honestly, DJ and Drew, I love you. you undersold. Uh, what Ryan, uh, what Adley Rutschman is actually capable of. I mean, there is huge potential there, and it does matter for Ryan Mountcastle because he has a chance to provide some significantly better RBI totals than the eighty ninety put up if Adley Rutschman is sitting ahead of him.
0: Look, if you're talking about a one two three four in any given order of Cedric Mullins, Adley Rutschman, Trey Mancini, and Ryan Mountcastle, sure. I- that is a perfectly fine 1 through 4. I mean, it's not going to win you a World Series, but it is a no. perfectly fine 1 through 4 that we can work with here. So, we you know, we rightfully so have picked, you know, Baltimore and Kansas City to a certain extent, Detroit. Yeah. Other teams that like even if they're doing well, we just naturally have devalued them because well, the teams have not been the offense have been bad for the last few years, so we devalue I think Baltimore's offense could be at least on an upward trajectory, especially if Rushman turns into what he can be and Mountcastle takes
1: the next step in his career. Where'd you have Mountcastle on your list? I had him at 10, so not okay. far from you. And it, based on what we've basically been talking about, it sounds like one through six, there's the, the, one, the one tier, the two tier, the three through six tier, and then like seven to probably 13 or 14 is another yeah. tier. So we're all putting them in that category. So yeah, I I do think Ryan Mountcastle is a guy. If he's my starting first baseman, I do feel okay about it. Let's talk about
0: Reese Hoskins, who who is number nine on my list. He fits in this tier for me. Where is he on yours?
1: He's number 11 for me. So not far off.
0: All right. So yeah, um a player who I got to say, I was kind of shocked by these numbers, considering I know he missed the stretch run last year out with a, due to a torn abdomen that kind of took him out for the playoff stretch in the back end, only played 107 games in 2021 but still hit 27 home runs and 71 right. RBIs and scored 64 times OPS 864, and really a two to one K walk ratio. So like not even ter- It's not even terrible when it comes to the K walk. And you've got to look at a Philly team that again, still has Bryce Harper still has kept JT real Muto. There mm-hmm. is some good offense on that team. That team we're still expecting to be in the playoff chase later in this year. And Reese Hoskins is going to have to be a major part of that. I think he is, again, entering his age 28 season. We are just going to have to see how he comes off that injury that, I mean, a torn abdomen with the, yeah. with the swing that he has. I want to see how this looks in spring training. And Chris, let's just be real. The two of us here, very tough to talk about some of these rankings when we have nothing to look at in spring training <laughs> to see, like, where are yeah. they at in return in terms sure. of recovery? We're kind of just yeah. making stuff up. But yeah. I, think, I think Hoskins, if he can come back and be healthy, I mean, we're talking about a guy who has 30 home run potential, has 100 RBI potential, has an issue in terms of batting average. You know, he's not going to win you a batting title anytime soon. He's going to be a 250 at best kind of hitter. But I think the home runs, RBIs and runs should be able enough that that should counteract uh, any hits that you get on
1: batting average. Yeah, they sh- it should. It's it, it's. The reason why he's 11 for me is just because of the injury concern. Like, I mm-hmm. want to see what's going to happen. I mean, this is a guy who played 153 games in 2018, 100, 160 in 2019. So it's not like he has this horrible injury history, but that's a rough injury. And that, especially for a power hitter, I do think the fact they're going to be able to DH him is going to help. Like Mm -hmm. the fact that, uh, and we are again, assuming that the DH praise be is going to be a part of the 2022 season. But I do think that'll help in that situation. Like first base, not the most strenuous position, but DH much less strenuous. Let's just be honest. (laughs) A lot, a lot less, a lot less stretching, a lot less worrying about um, picking balls from a not great defense, to be completely honest Mm -hmm. with you around the Philadelphia. I do Mm -hmm. think it helps. I am concerned about the average. I mean, this is a guy who has hit above 250 exactly once in his career. So, mm-hmm. And he's not drawing the same amount of walks as he used to. I mean, in 2020, he did have a 384 on base percentage. But I think you're looking more at that 340, 350 range, mm-hmm. which matters more in points league. But he's got to hit homers like his raw power. is easy 80 grade. I do think he is a guy who can provide 30 to 40 homers. The only reason I have him ranked below some of these other guys is some of these guys can provide similar power and also help a little bit more in the average. Totally fair. And the Uh, the health. Yeah. And the health. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the health. I I really just, I want to see him. He's one of the short list of players and one of them I'm about to get to now of players that I just, I need to see them swing. I need to see them swing in a game for me to just know like, okay, he's back to where he is. Like a a torn abdomen is not ideal for a big power hitter. And let's talk about, Another someone who the someone who I really just want to see play because if he's healthy, he's he's higher up my rankings than what I currently have him, and that's Max Muncie. I mean, he uh, suffered an elbow injury last year that cost him the last few games of the regular season and the entire off season. I think it required surgery, if I remember correctly. No spring training means no updates on his recovery, so we're kind of right. sitting here with an expectation that well. Even if he's not ready for the start of the year, theoretically, like if I miss a month of Max Muncy, this is where I'd rank him. And that's kind of how that's kind of where I have him on my list. Like, all right, he might miss a little bit. There might be a a little bit of a growing pain, but ideally Max Muncy, especially second half of next year, Max Muncy should be the Max Muncy we know. He will be 31 next year. And look, he is the model of consistency. The last, his last three full seasons, he either has 35 or 36 home runs. He has 80 to 98 RBIs, and he has 80 to 101 runs scored. Like yep. That's who he is, and he's still on a Dodgers team that is loaded. He is still going to be in a phenomenal position to have all the lineup protection he wants, all of the run scoring and run driving in opportunities. Last year, 36 home runs, 93 RBIs, 95 runs, and OPS just shy of nine. And a K Walk ratio of 120 to 83. I mean, these are great numbers. The only reason we are really talking about him in like this 11 12 area is just because we don't know where that elbow injury and where his health is in terms of recovery. If we were told right now, Chris, that Max Muncie would be ready for opening day at 100%, he might be up inside my, my top eight.
1: But yeah, he I, think, da- I think
0: he'd move up at least three, four spots.
1: Yeah and he would definitely be at at the very least in my top 12. I have him 13th on my rankings right now. The only reason is is because there is some serious concern about when we are going to see Max Muncy play again. Mm-hmm. It's just and let's keep in mind too like Max Muncy kind of puttered out a little bit. This guy was legitimately in the MVP conversation if not the favorite for like the start of the season. He mm-hmm. is going to give you when he's healthy some stretches where he's as good as any first baseman in the game sans those first two that we were talking about. Like he is a legitimate star at some points. You just don't know when he's going to come back. The other thing with me, with Max Muncie, and I'll tell you, I've got a few of these guys. So I have Max Muncie 13th. I have Ty France 14th. Mm-hmm. I have Jake Cronenworth 19th. I think that's it. These are all guys that can play other positions And I move them down my first base rankings a little bit just because of the fact that they can't like, look, it's nice to have somebody who can provide some run scoring ability, but ideally if I'm being honest with you, if I can have Ty France be my starting second baseman, I'd rather have him there. Mm -hmm. If Max Muncie is eligible to play second base at some point, which he should be. I mean, it's, it's going to depend on what the Dodgers do it, it, and the, the injury will play a factor. there. I'd much rather have him as my second baseman, Jake Cronenworth. It's not close. I'd rather have him as my second baseman or third baseman. If he ends up my starting first baseman or quarter infielder, so be it. But these are the type of guys that I think you have to move down a little bit because I'd much rather fill my power spots then go with these guys like Ty France, really good offensive player. Mm-hmm. Don't know if he's going to provide that 30 homer, 100 RBIs that i have been looking for for my first baseman one. Same thing for Max Muncy. I think he can do that, but the health concern, and again, better at second base if he's somehow eligible in your league. And Jay Cronenworth is the perfect example of that. Like, it's nice that he's eligible at first base, and if you have injuries, and Lord knows we will have injuries whenever this <laughs> season starts. A nice thing to be able to move him over into that first base position. But there is something about those guys... If they're eligible somewhere else, in my personal opinion, you want to put them at that somewhere else instead of first base.
0: Well, let's talk about, I think, maybe the poster child for do you want to play him at first base because he's got positional flexibility. We both have him inside our top 12, and that's D.J. LeMahieu for the Yankees. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, first base, second base, I think third base eligibility still, uh, 33 years old. He had a down year last year by his very high standards, especially coming off of a phenomenal 2019 and 2020 season. Right. Hit 268 with 10 homers and 57 RBIs. Still scored 84 runs, but an OPS just north of seven. But a K walk ratio, even in a down year, a K walk ratio of 94 to 74. Like absolutely love that that eye at the plate, even when he's not swinging the bat well, he still has the eye. And according to him, he was playing with a core injury all of last year, basically, one that required surgery in the offseason to take care of. So ideally, he might be going into 2022 with a clean bill of health, whereas Mm -hmm. apparently, according to him, he did not have that last year. But look, in 2019 and 2020, he won a batting title in 2020, was an MVP candidate in both years, and he's still expected to bat leadoff for a high-powered Yankees offense. So he might be playing first base he might be playing second but he definitely has eligibility and now we're at the spot where okay while we talk about Cronenworth and we talk about Muncy and we talk about others i think DJ Lemayhew. if you're not going for power in this spot you know maybe you already have your power position just locked up you, you you spent heavy on power the first few picks and you're looking for average you're looking for runs you're looking for other things like that LeMahieu could be a perfect bounce back candidates to get, if he cuts anything close to that 19 20, 20 levels, I mean, you might be getting a steal at where you go.
1: Yeah, I think DJ Lemieux, is one of the most underrated fantasy bets for 2022, like let's be honest, too, he was a huge disappointment last year, but it really wasn't DJ Lemieux's Faults. Like ultimately it ultimately, it goes, I guess on the player, but one of the most unlucky hitters in all of baseball, it's still the same approach. He's still making loads of contact and most of it hard. Like his expected batting average was in the 88th percentile and he hit 268. That should tell you everything about how unlucky DJ LeMahieu was getting still uses the entire field. Like, look, the only reason that DJ LeMahieu doesn't get into that top seven, top eight for me is, is because of the fact that there is a chance that he's only going to give you 10 to 15 homers. And it's Mm -hmm. just not ideal for first base. Like Mm -hmm. if you can go get spread out those homers and go get like a second baseman that can hit like 35 homers or a a catcher that's going to provide like a Salvador Perez makes up for it for you at the catcher position. Great. That's 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 Mm -hmm. awesome. But there is a chance that you are talking about. 12 to 15 homers. And let's be honest too. DJ LeMahieu, I believe, is going to turn 34 this year. Yes. If he's 33, there is a chance that of, of some regression here. Like mm-hmm. there is a chance sure. that we have seen the absolute best. But the reason that I think he's kind of an exception to what I was just talking about is he can actually help you literally win the average category. Like if I was a betting man and if somebody gave me uh, the over under .299, I'm taking the over. I think Me DJ too. Lemieux, was going to hit 310, 315 and has the chance to hit like 323, 333 because his bat to ball skills are elite. Still, he's not going to strike out a ton. Wish he helped more in the stolen base category. Don't think he's going to get a chance to drive in a ton of runs if he's sitting at the top of the lineup, unfortunately. Even if the Yankees have one of the deeper lineups, there are some some guys that just aren't going to score a ton of runs for him. But DJ LeMahieu, I think, is that exception that he can be that starting first baseman.
0: Completely agree on my end. Let's do a quick promo read before we get into the next tier of players. The 2022 NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide is available now. Please go out wherever you get your magazine still and make sure you pick it up. It's just excellent. And we're giving our listeners a special offer to celebrate it. Get 22% off our draft guide and an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use the promo code BASES22. We get you ready for your fantasy draft with expert insights and tools at one low price. So go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash edge plus, and then use promo code BASES22 at checkout. Now remember that's NBCSportsEdge.com slash edge plus promo code BASES22. All right, so let's move on to the next group of players. And that's everyone inside my top 12 that we've hit. Is there anyone inside your top 12 that we haven't hit?
1: No, uh, just really quickly, Josh Bell, and I think yes, Josh no, Bell. Perfect. Let's we'll talk. Just, just real quick. I think he's a, a guy who got off to a kind of a middling start again with the Nationals in his uh, first year with the club. Might be only his second year at the club. I could see him being moved very easily for a team that's going to be that is not going to be in contention. I think is a trade candidate. But I really like Josh Bell, and I think he had you're never going to see those numbers he was putting up in 2019 in that first half again, that's just not going to happen, but he doesn't have to be, to be a starting first baseman. I think 270, 275, 30 homers, a hundred RBIs, very likely for him. And for the, uh, with all due respect for the, the other guys on my list, I don't think anybody else is as assured to do that. Maybe Max Muncy, if we know what's going on with his health, that's the only guy that I feel confident enough with.
0: Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I, I'm not sure I believe in Josh Bell as a 270 hitter, but I, I definitely believe in him as a 30 and 100 guy if, he sure. is, if he's locked in and doing it. And again, if we're looking at this first base position, we're looking for power and we're looking for RBIs really more than yeah. anything else. And if you're telling me that Josh Bell is a pretty safe bet to get 25-plus home runs and 90-plus RBIs just on a conservative uh, you know, prediction – then I'm very good with that. I can live with yeah. Josh Bell as my corner infielder in my spot. I'm, I wouldn't want him as my, if I don't play with a corner infield spot, I'm not sure I want him as my number one first baseman. Sure. But yeah. if I have a corner infield spot, I have no problem with Josh Bell filling it.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I'll just go through real quick and then, you yeah. know, because we're, we're doing this. We'll go through my 13 through 25. I uh, already mentioned Muncie. 14. Ty France. 15. Joey Votto. 16. Trey Mancini. 17. Anthony Rizzo. 18. Yuli Gurriel. 19. Jake Cronenworth. 20. Brandon Belt. 21. Jonathan Scope. I want to say Shoop. 22. Spencer Torkelson. 23. Frank Schwindel. 24. Jesus Aguilar. And 25. Nate Lowe.
0: Okay. All right. So we got some difference at the at the tail end. So we'll go through them yes. on that. All right. So for me, I have 13. I have Yuli Gurriel at 13. Okay. Joey Josh Bell at 14. Joey Votto at 15. Rizzo at 16. Okay. Mancini at 17. Mm-hmm. Brandon Belt at 18. Ty France at 19. Cronenworth at 20. Voight at 21. Schwindel at 22. Bobby Dahlbeck at 23. Jesus Agliar at 24. And Hosmer at 25.
1: Okay. Yeah, so, that's – uh. That's interesting. I think the biggest difference that we have, well, you don't have Torkelson and I get it because he's not going to make the major league roster unless he signs. I thought about it. Uh, I thought yeah, about it. Just yeah. I wanted to eat it. Cause yeah, I want yeah, it. I want to see yeah. him up here. Yeah, me like, too. Ah, yeah, yeah. The, the one I'm a little surprised with you is Ty France. Now, again, I'm telling you, I'd much rather have him as my starting second Mm -hmm. baseman and he is going to be eligible. He's never going to be eligible there again. So take advantage of it while you can, because I don't think he's going to play very much second base going forward. But I'm a little surprised just because we were both so high on this guy last year. What did Ty France do to you? Well, I like Ty France quite a bit. I think my only,
0: I I think for me, I, I think I've downgraded him to a certain extent because if I'm looking for offense, the way I looked at it is, all right, if you're going to give me a category I want you to provide elite numbers at a category. If I'm going to make, especially if I'm in the second, third, fourth tier of the first base position, I want something that I can bank. And I mean, Ty France last year, 291, 18 homers, 73 RBIs, 84 runs. All of those are great numbers. Not one of those is elite in any way, at least in terms of how we look at other people. Now there's absolutely something to be said about, just getting you know like above average across the board rather than highs and lows like we would talk about say with a Jared Walsh or a Ryan Mountcastle. But when we talk about Ty France, I love where that offense is going overall. I like him quite a bit, but I just don't know if I fully believe in him enough to say he's going to be a two ninety, he's going to be an eighteen to twenty five, and he's going to be you know a seventy to ninety RBI kind of guy. I don't know if I can bank on that. And if because of that, I think I'd rather have him, I, I have him down my list a little bit more.
1: That's fair. I actually feel really confident about him in the average category. I mean, this is just what he's done. Like he's a career 281 yeah, a really hitter. And, hitter yeah. and, all, and part of that is based on 234. I want to point out one thing with Ty France real quick. The on-base percentage was 368, which is very solid. Keep in mind that Ty France was hit 27 times last year. That is not going to happen again next year. So that's 27 times like you're probably looking more like 13, 14, and that's still even a lot. So that's just something to keep in mind for people who play in on-base percentage leagues. Ty France was hit 27 Times, uh, since I'm the prospect guy, I, I have to hit more Rizzo or Ty France I, mean, no, I know both uh, of those guys. I was gonna say Rizzo usually leads the league in category. Congratulations, Ty France, you were the lead. Okay, oh, well done. The someone 20, finally knocking Rizzo 20, off his throne 27 <laughs> times is like college baseball hit by pitch yeah. stats, like that is. That is a lot of HBPs for a guy who's like, he grabs the plate, but it's not like Anthony Rizzo where his elbows like literally in like, the middle of home plate type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you get hit
0: 26 times. <laughs> you, are you like flicking off the pitcher before you go yeah. into the batter's box? <laughs> like how else are you getting hit that many times? I That's don't know how
1: else. And who knows how many he actually avoided like that. Right. could. many that like, he still scooted out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, that is something to keep in mind if you're playing in an on-base percentage league, like, Maybe you're looking at closer to like 340, 350, because 27 times just doesn't seem sustainable. But uh, since I am the prospect guy, I will talk about Spencer Torkelson. And the, I get asked a lot if you would draft him in a redraft league. And the answer is if you're playing with 25, yes. If you're playing with 20, no. I think he should be one of those back end draft guys. The real difference here is like if he's going to be eligible at third base, because. That's ideally where you would be want to be playing him, mm-hmm. but if and when he gets that call-up, he has immense offensive potential, a chance to hit for average, a chance to, a chance to drive in runs, light tower power, like just mm-hmm. supreme power. I think that's that he is worth a draft spot, but... There are certainly guys like I'm I'm putting Jake Cronenworth in at my corner infield above him I am putting Yuli mm-hmm. Gurriel at him and Yuli Gurriel's kind of an interesting one too because I do think there is going to be he's the one I'm most concerned about because of age like this yes. is not a, a spring chicken anywhere yes. yeah 37, 37 yeah. just some and this was Last year, he was like – 2020, a lot of people thought he was done, to be completely honest with you. And then 2021, had a very nice season. That's that's. But, again, I'm putting those guys in over Spencer Torkelson, especially the fact that we're probably – even if we get an on-time start to the season, you're still probably not seeing him until late April, early May at earliest. So he's a bench hold for me, but it's a barely bench hold. Like there will be better options (laughs) – then Spencer Torkelson for 2021 wouldn't shock me at all. If he's a top 10 option next year for 2022, the offensive potential is that good.
0: Look, if you're going to throw lottery tickets in rounds 20 to 25, pretty good guy to throw a lottery ticket on because yeah. the only thing you have to do is just sit and hold. Cause that's yeah. the issue. Now, granted we say this like the same way we spoke about, jared kelnick last year and that didn't work out the same way that we were like oh just grab him hold him as soon as he comes up he'll crush yeah. and then he yeah. gets get sent back down so we know that as we as we say this we're talking from a overall career trajectory and less of an immediate impact right we've been baseball spoiled is hard yeah we've yes. been spoiled of late by how good some of these young players have been yeah but i mean we just we did a um we did a dynasty draft um with a bunch of nbc sports edge people the other uh about a week or two ago and Yeah, I I, Torkelson was like my fifth round pick. Like I was, I wanted him. I I fully believe in him. But let's talk about let's talk about Gurriel for a second because for me, I had I hesitated to do it, but I just I've always really liked him, and I have him at thirteen on my list. And I look at him on mine in the way that we and let's talk about kind of draft strategy here. The same way we talked about with DJ Lemayhew. Like, look, if you went power, power, power early in this draft, and you want to get batting average. Well, and run scored. DJ LeMahieu is a perfect guy for you if that's where uh-huh. you're going in that spot. Similarly, many rounds later, an emphasis almost 75 to 100 picks later, Yuri yeah. Guriel is going. And you know what? If you need batting average, the dude hits. The dude yeah. gets on base. He does not strike out. His K-walk ratio last year, 68 to 59. He, he struck out 68 times. This is a, this is a <laughs> league where everyone's a three true outcome kind of guy. And Uli Guriel is just – is not striking out. An no. uh, 845 OPS and still 81 RBIs and 83 runs. So, look, is he ever going to be a home run guy for you? No. Is no. his age absolutely a worry? Absolutely. But he is still a major piece of a very good offense in Houston, regardless of where um, Carlos Correa winds up. That offense is still very good. Sure. And he – and again, he is someone who – is kind of the perfect person between a bunch of big mashers in that lineup because he just continues to to just hand the bat off to the next person. So yeah. if you're in an OBP league, I love Gurriel just because he does not strike out. and He gets on base. 383 OBP last year. So I worry about the health and you're not going to get power from him. But everything else, you're getting a lot of stuff on that. I have as him at 13
1: on my list. Yeah, and I, I, I get it. My concern is this is a sentence I've always wanted to say, but I didn't know it is he's kind of the Cuban first baseman version of Brett Saberhagen. He, listen, let's, let's, <laughs> let's go over OPS. I was wondering like, where you were going to go with that. Yeah. I, okay. okay yeah. I, I like that. Okay. OPS over his career. 677, 817, 751,
0: 884,
1: 658, 846. Now, look, 2020, I'm willing to throw out a little bit because he only played in 57 games because of everything that was going on. But he was bad in 2020. And he, he has been, he wasn't good in 2018 either. I mean, look, 291 is great, but a 323 on base percentage and a 428 slugging percentage nope. from the first baseman ain't going to do it. The value there was that he was a guy who played first base, second base, third base, shortstop and designated hitter. Now he's just, I mean, he played some third base last year, but he is limited to first base. That's my only concern. Can I see him being among the league leaders in average and putting up the 15 homers and 75 RBIs? Yeah, but I think there's a really good chance, especially at his age, that if you have any BABIP regression, like Mm -hmm. if he's hitting in that 270, 280 range, then his value really drops. It should be
0: noted, by the way, that he had a career-high BABIP last year as well. So as we talk about this stuff, uh, a 336 BABIP, his previous career-high was 308. So like a really great year for him in terms of
1: luck. Yeah, and let's be honest too, though, because he doesn't strike out, it's a little easier to be a little more optimistic about career-high batting average yeah. balls in play. Like I'm looking at projections on baseball reference. They have 279, 337, 448, 18 homers, 73 RBI. That's not a bad season. That can't be your starting first baseman, though. Correct. It could be your starting quarter infielder. Um, so we're coming kind of to the end, and I know you're the host and stuff, but I I, I I can't believe we didn't really talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And we have to yeah. talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. All right, hit me with it, hit me with Jr. it. So, like I keep looking at these numbers, and he look he hit three eleven. I don't have these in front of me, and I think I have them memorized. You can tell me if I'm wrong. Or I have them in front of me, so you're good. I believe it's 401 one, six hundred one, or four ten, six hundred one. No, no, nope, like nope. four hundred one, six hundred one. You're good. Oh man, dang, yeah. So anyway, what a I nerd. honestly, hundred percent. I,
0: I, <laughs> I actually think
1: I think he was better than those numbers. Like yeah. if you look at how much hard contact he was making. Like he should have hit 330 and he probably should have hit another five or 10 homers as well. Now, and that's an interesting one here because a lot of people are going to talk about the fact that he was playing in a spring training ballpark. I don't care if he was playing in the marshes that Disney owns that they haven't turned into a park yet. He's going to hit a lot of homers and he is going to hit for a high average. Like this is a like, and keep in mind again too how young he was and the adjustment that he made to be able to lift the ball like i can't take him with one of the first 3 picks because he's not going to help you with stolen bases he's just right. not it's it's he's a four category player at best a chance of three categories depending on who's hitting in front of him but goodness gracious man like this is a a super duper duper star like the type of guy who can literally win you fantasy leagues and i hope i hope people aren't looking at the, the the numbers like that they dropped in the second half from batting average. That was just because it's really hard to hit 350 or 340 for the entire year. It had almost nothing to do with the park is. I think people are drinking a little bit of the haterade because they they were extremely wrong about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Coming into 2022 or excuse me, going in 2021. Don't make that same mistake, man. If he's available with that fourth or fifth pick, either do it or strongly consider it.
0: Look, if you want to nitpick, we can find nitpick for every single player out there. Like again, and, oh, and, yeah. to, a certain, and to a certain extent, that's what we get paid to do is to well, nitpick yeah. on that level because there needs to be some version as to why I would rank him at five and not put him in the top, inside the top three. Like, sure, we can have those conversations, but Wait, you're getting you paid for this?
1: Well,
0: <laughs> no, no, they just give me they just give me like free coupons. What the hell? That's about all I get. I keep uh, sending them checks. You keep so you keep sending them checks. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm telling you, you're doing that wrong. I, I'm uh, almost sure of it. Okay, but look, if other people out there want to sip the hater aid on Vlad Guerrero Jr., drink away. Be my drink guest, it man. Because you know what? I will gobble all of the shares on my team. Bank. Yeah. He's 22 years old. People like it. Yeah, he's sick. gonna get better. Like I, like this isn't the tops. Like he's going to get better. So yeah, give me all of it. I got no problem with that. And I don't care how, what age Freddie Freeman is, as we're talking about that too, at 32, like anyone wants to use 32 as a marker as to why Freddie Freeman shouldn't be on my team. No, no. The answer is no. He is clearly the second best first baseman. And I've heard some of that hate online, like no team 30, you know, going to be 32 this year. Yeah. Is this the year where we need to start talking? No, you're a year no. or two, at least, too early before we start having those conversations.
1: Real quick, if you can have Freddie Freeman play for any team in fantasy baseball, and I have to take your Yankee fanhood out of it, but put it on a little bit, too, because you know what that part can do. What team would you want Freddie Freeman to play for in 2022?
0: Taking my Yankee fandom out of it, whether it's Olsen or whether it's Freeman, I'd love to see either one of them sure. in the short court right field. I mean, right. good Lord, we... we uh, we might be touching 50 home runs. Like yeah. the home runs at home would, mm-hmm. is going to be like what 40 in, in 81 games. Like
1: it's going to be a joke. <laughs> yeah.
0: But otherwise than that, like I, I wants, I, I'd love to see him on the Dodgers because yeah. I just love to see how he could fit with, because oh, we've man. heard a little bit about that. We've heard the Rangers getting feisty about it. And sure. you know what? If you, I don't know how they have any money left, but you know what, if they do and they have the ability to put him on that roster, what a 180 that team holds oh, in one season, true. if that's the case. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of places that I'd like for him to go. Unfortunately, because Freddie Freeman's Freddie Freeman, he's not following the big dollar to a no team, you know, like an, a bad team and following the dollar. Like that's not who he is. So he's going to go to a good team. And really that's all that matters to me, because if you go into a good team, the stats will come along with them.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I just think it's interesting because anywhere he goes, he's going to be interesting. But I will admit him in that Yankee lineup is something yeah. like I would I would strongly consider if Freddie Freeman and I have the 12th pick. I think I'm considering Freddie Freeman with that 12th pick because I think the numbers could be just Gaga. I, I yeah. really think that would be I'm with you. Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk about the other free agent first baseman out there because I think that – let's talk about Anthony Rizzo for a hot second. These are the two first basemen that don't have a home right now. Rizzo, also 32, coming off of 22 homers and 61 RBIs between Chicago and New York last year. He seems to be the guy who's just sitting there waiting for Matt Olsen to get traded and Freddie Freeman to sign somewhere before he knows what's available to him. Like he kind of has to sit on his hands and wait for those two dominoes to fall. But Rizzo more of a doubles hitter than a home run hitter now I have him at 16. I think you had him a little bit later,
1: just one um, spot lower 17. Okay yeah
0: so I just he's a little bit more of a doubles hitter. He came to the Yankees and started getting a couple more home runs with that short porch. but if he goes to a park that is even remotely spacious in right field, I mean we might be we might have to knock Rizzo down a couple more on these rankings just because he just has not shown the power that he had you know three, four five years ago.
1: Yeah, I feel a lot more confident with Rizzo in a in OBP or Points League just because yes. I just don't think he's hitting those two, 280, 290 anymore. I just doesn't. I don't see the bat speed from it anymore to suggest that he's going to do that. I think he's better than he's been in 2020 and 2021. Let's keep in mind, in 2019, this was a guy who was 293, 405, 520, and the year before that, 283, 376, 470. Lots of OPS right around that high 800, low 900 range was a legitimate, legitimate. Uh, first baseman one and belonged in the top three or four conversation. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you can do that anymore. Like this is a guy who has dealt back injuries and back injuries are big. And it's why we'll have to talk about it with Christian Yelich when we get to that point, it's something that's really hard for, as you get older, <laughs> I'm 39 and I barely get off my couch and I still, and I'm actually only 38. That tells you how 39 I actually am. Uh, it is, it's just one of those things where, It's tough for that to get better. Shoulder Mm -hmm. injuries with pitchers and back injuries with hitters are things that just really something that scare me. I still put him there because there is that chance if he's Mm -hmm. playing in the right park that he can give you that 850 OPS. But there's a lot more risk, I think, with Anthony Rizzo now than there is reward.
0: Yeah, more than I think we as fans like because we as fans absolutely love him as a person. All right. So, Chris, we are winding down the show now. Talk to me through just real briefly. Give me one or two quick hits on any player you want from your 17 to 25. Someone that we need to look at as a sleeper that you think might be
1: maybe someone who could crack the
0: top 12, top 14
1: before the end of the year. Um, uh, Torkelson, which I talked about. It's totally possible he gets into that range. I will say that uh, Frank Swindell is really interesting to me. Yeah. The, he, the eye test is something that can get us in a lot of trouble, but boy, did he pass the eye test. Mm-hmm. I do think he's going to get that starting gig. I, I'm more confident in him being real than like a Patrick Wisdom being real. Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that could be in there. Jesus Aguilar was really good until his injury was really good uh, yes. and um, you know, he'd be another guy, too, that I think I would move up if he was playing on a different team, to be mm-hmm. completely honest with you, just because better chances of driving in runs. All due respect to Avisel Garcia, that's not enough to upgrade that lineup. But those are the two that I think could make that jump. And then again, the the one guy who was uh, not in my top 12 that could really make me look stupid is Max Muncy, but the health concerns. That, health those are concerns. my only yeah. things. But, but Torkelson and Schwindel are guys that I really think have a chance to be starting first baseman by the end of the year that I just couldn't quite put there at to begin the 2022.
0: I'm totally with you on both of those guys. I really like Schwindel. I, I didn't think I was going to like him. And then I just continued to watch him just like a professional and just be, and just be the guy at first base. And I went, wow, okay. Cubs, I kind of understand you a little bit more for maybe looking to see Rizzo out the door, because I think Schwindel has done everything in his power to replace him. Um, Briefly, let me just hit on a couple, Brandon Belt. Look, I know he's 33 now going into this year, but he had 29 home runs in 97 games last year. And I know he's not a home run hitter, but last year wasn't a home run year. And he still got to thir- almost 30 home runs in less than 100 games. Yeah. OPS at 975. So, yes, is this is this an outlier year? Yes, I have him at 18 for that reason. I expect regression. But even with regression, we as a fantasy community continue to just disrespect the San Francisco Giants. And you know yeah. what? Brandon Belt is at the top of that list of people who deserve to be a little disrespected. So, yeah, uh, give me I think Brandon belts, look, if everything happens to go right for him, he could very easily be a top fourteen, maybe even push top twelve if he can keep that power going. For Luke Voigt, look, he his days as a Yankee might be numbered, but That's as my concern. a as a late depending on where he goes. and again, it's very dependent on where he goes. But if he has the first base job locked up for himself in a some, in a hitter's park, he's two years removed from leading the major leagues in home runs during the shortened 2020 season. He could be a nice source of power late. I mean, you can get him for free, essentially, late in a draft. He might be someone that you can grab a whole bunch of power for. And I'll leave with uh, with Eric Hosmer here. Look, we're over Eric Hosmer as a fantasy community. We're We're done with him. That being said... I am so on board with San Diego roaring back this year from what was just such a disappointing 2021 season that if they roar back, Eric Hosmer could be a, an interesting guy at the very back end for those in corner infield leagues, those in you know maybe a two first baseman league or anything along those lines. Like Hosmer could be an interesting guy not to draft, but someone to just keep an eye on if that San Diego Padres lineup starts to hum the way that I think a lot of us expect it to this year.
1: Yeah, my two concerns with Eric Hosmer though are one, I'm not sure he's going to be a Padre. I could see that totally fair. there was lots of talk about him being basically a guy the Padres are willing to attach prospects to get out of that contract. Mm-hmm. Which uh, you know the, the Padres are going to be just fine if they have to pay Eric Hosmer, but I understand why they wouldn't want to pay him. The other concern with me with Eric Cosmer is he's just not very good.
0: Yeah, uh, we've been waiting for <laughs> we've been waiting for him to be good, and that's why I said yeah. we as a fantasy community are done. Yeah. But that's the reason why he barely touches the top 25. For me, he doesn't even touch your 25. No. But just as someone who is out there as we continue to look, like, dude has some power in that bat, not much, but he's going to be in a really good lineup in a really good situation. If he ends up being a Padre, he might have some deep league consideration. Maybe. That's that's as nice as I can be. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) But that just about does it for us here on circling the bases. So if you like what you're hearing, please be sure you have subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. I think you can do that now on Spotify too. So rate and review there as well. You can follow me on Twitter at CallDon'tLie and you can follow Chris at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Be sure to tune back in later this week as DJ and Drew deep dive into the second base position and give their top 25 ranks, so make sure you don't miss it. So until then, stay safe out there, and as always, thanks for the listen. Dom Smith, you weren't
1: eligible or else you'd be in my top, and you probably wouldn't be
0: ranked. I was going to say, Dom he, Smith. does he make it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, sorry, Dom.